0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to our podcast, What the Tech? I'm Padma Hari.
1: And I'm Oshia Savore. I'm a serial marketer and here to cut through some buzzwords and understand tech.
0: We are proudly normalizing ignorance and sharing practical
1: advice. Thank you so much for joining us today. Stephen Moy is the CEO of Barbarian, a creative and digital agency working for clients like Kendo, Nars, Cetaphil, American Express, and Mucinix. For decades, Stephen has worked on large-scale digital transformation and world-recognized initiatives for global brands, including McDonald's, Marvel, Shiseido, J&J, and many, many more. Recently, Stephen was invited by Fast Company to join the executive board as an official board member, and now he's here with us to talk about content generation with AI. We are so honored to have you, Stephen. Welcome. Hello, Stephen. So excited to have you here for our episode of What the Tech? Welcome.
2: Oh, well, thank you. Thank you for having me.
1: Thank you so
0: much for joining us. We are so excited to talk to you. Oh, all right, you. yeah,
2: it's a perfect topic. <laughs> Every day I'm talking about that with my team and also with my clients.
1: Oh, perfect! Because we want to learn all from you. So, so let me ask you um, the very first question, just so our audience can understand what you do and uh, why we're having this conversation with you. So, so tell us a bit about your agency and the brands you work on, Stephen, so we can set the stage
2: a little bit. Yeah, so I am the CEO of a, a digital creative agency named Barbarian. Um, Barbarian actually started 20 years ago in Boston, Massachusetts. Uh, I competed with them forever when I was at the other side of Sapient, uh, Purpose of Sapient. And it's a 20-year-old brand. And right now we are part of Chell Worldwide, which is a Korean-based Uh, based in seoul uh, number 10 uh, largest advertising uh, company in the world Uh, for those that you're not familiar with chel chel is known for 50 years old known for the in-house samsung agency
0: Ah. yeah
2: they they spin it off ipo publicly traded in uh, seoul korea so uh 60 of revenue i think to today uh, uh, samsung supporting samsung uh, all fabric from marketing production to experiential setup and then the rest of them consists of uh, different, um, you know, fortune thousand to household brand around the world. Um, Barbarian, fortunately, working with Samsung for the last ten years. Uh, if you ever purchase a phone online, not designed by Barbarian, every time the new phone launches, all the PDP, all the e-commerce pages. And also the last two years, we got the opportunity to do all the seasonal campaign, integrated campaign from Mother Day to back to school to Valentine's Day, uh, done by design and done and implemented by Barbarian. And also we are fortunate for the last over two years, uh, we probably the smallest agency uh, handling the global social uh, marketing for American Express. So Mm -hmm. if if you have ever, you know, interact uh, with uh, American Express uh, through Matter, uh, Instagram. We, we, we took them, brought them onto TikTok recently and also YouTube Live. That's a lot of rich content. One thing good about American Express, they, they're focusing on what I call uh, financial wellness. They wow. have the brand platform and permission and equity to help, especially the SMB market, the small and medium and enterprise wow. or the entrepreneur. So that's why you see a lot of effort in uh, American Express business, uh, you know, I think the Instagram handle talking about like featuring small businesses, like maybe a guest show pub Indian restaurant in New York, all the way to a tailor or to, or to a dentist. So uh the very exciting world because uh, how how often you got opportunity to work with two of the largest brands and helping them the digital transformation journey, like including American Express now, they also become digital social first uh, for many of their audiences.
0: So are you guys independent of Samsung or you're part of Samsung? We're we
2: independent of Samsung, independent. Oh. But okay. the Chell started off as an in-house agency for Samsung 50 years ago. And then after a while, that's a lot of dynamic going on. I think, yeah. you know, having it spin off and then publicly traded is important. And so we can scale, you know, have access to capital and also that's a fair competition as well, right? You cannot just have the in-house agency. So a lot of time we uh, we, we got invited to pitch as well like, against the biggest one.
1: Wow, wow, very exciting. I must, uh, before we get on to the really good stuff, I have to ex- um, share my confession and my love for Korean drama. Let's, uh, let's now really get in the meat of our um, episode and start diving into AI and what it's doing for... The creative world. So, as a creative, um, Stephen, tell us uh, what are your thoughts on AI? I'm sure you're speaking about it every single day. Tell it, tell us, tell us what your honest opinion is.
2: Oh yes, uh, it's actually we all know, right? It's not it's not that new. I think what gained momentum the last uh, 14 months or so because of the open AI have mm-hmm. created much more accessibility for anyone in the world. Yeah. And you can imagine, like many moons ago, you heard about from the big technology company, they also, you know, building their own proprietary AI. Mm -hmm. Like for example, like Adobe has Sunset, right? You know, and then uh, Salesforce had uh, Einstein. We all heard about Watson from IBM. So I I would say it's not new, but I am so excited about for the last two decades, seeing the evolution of AI, different aspect now come Mm -hmm. to, with with the more mass, um, you know, accessibility. Now we see many more uh, applications I, in my opinion, will be impacting the whole marketing ecosystem and automation from data enrichment all the way to uh, marketing automation for retargeting and performance marketing, including like programmatic. So a very exciting time. Uh, I say that there are a couple of aspects I think AI is very good at. Even as a creative agency, we use AI for our creative process our strategy team will use ChatGPT for research. Actually, mm-hmm. it's uh, quite excellent, even though the data set is like, a couple of years older. Uh, but it's an excellent resource for a lot of research looking for topic or correlation of a topic. And we find it very fascinating. We help help a lot, really accelerating, at least from a strategy perspective, Like right? get to get a certain element that we can immediately add on. Uh, mm-hmm. From the creative side, we, Sometimes we don't have a, a lot of time, especially pitches. Uh, and I'm sure you guys are familiar with that. Uh, when you got RIP, you, you, next Friday, you know, give you five days, you have the time with we, we're creative. And true story, recently in July, when I got involved pitching a uh, very tight time schedule, our creative team actually used Generative AI to get enough assets, the creative asset for them. Like get like for example, let's say you get twenty five percent or thirty percent, you know, you know, uh, closer, and then you wow. really speed up the process. At least from our company point of view, our agency point of view, we are embracing it. We actually see a lot, lot more uh, application. I think yeah. it's really in, uh, empowering. I see more and more creativity coming through. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then for content, I know that that's a big topic, especially with the creator economy. We are talking about the the rise of TikTok. We cannot ignore it. I mean, the, the rise of social media for the last two years or three years since COVID is accelerated. And an marketer recently, uh, I was on the stage with them. They shared the data with me. They estimated under 30 years old in US, over 45% of them the first touch on TikTok or mm. social media. And TikTok is a lion's share. And then they spend mm. over 90 minutes to two hours consuming content. But just think about that, right? Mm-hmm. For instance, the traditional TV commercial, thirty second or much longer t- uh, form of content. So call, we call atomic content and content velocity. I think AI can help a lot. So a lot of time, you know, creative process, we also start thinking about what are the different format of content instead of just thinking about, oh, okay, I'm going to do a TV spot. Now you have to think about how does that fit into the format? majority of the digital ecosystem that we're dealing with. like You can add on like TikTok and Instagram from email, .com, right? uh, any other communication. But more interestingly is TikTok trained us. Mm. Uh, I, you know, Scott Galloway, the NYU professor, very recently yeah. keep talking about attention economy. Again, nothing new, but it's true now. We are taught and trained to judge <laughs> To, to, to resonate to a piece of content now on the second Just think about the consumption mode. So that a lot of yeah. changes. So I think certain aspects of AI will help, like generative AI can help to support the content velocity that we need to generate. Really in the past, when we do, I recently did a podcast talking about TV commercial, usually you have to do it, plan it, plan everything, the whole, you know, the, the crew, the director, the cast, fly to a location, that take weeks. And now you, you, with the, you know, at least the social media, uh, with the content, you talk about hours, right? Almost every day, at, at the minimum, every day. And then in some cases, you see some of the more successful progressive social digital first brand, they have content like every, you know, X hours coming out. So you see the, the velocity and also the transformation of content, I think AI would help. Now, still a lot of things we need to learn about AI content transformation, right? Um, like, that's a lot of ethical, uh, that's new, right? You know, set guidelines. So, for example, we talk about it like with some of our bigger clients. Because, like, using AI could help cost too, right? You in, know, in the, in the economy we are in. But at the same time, where where do you begin? Where do you end from a transformation? But, like, for example, like, a lot of, especially in New York, right? You talk about automotive, like, dealership. How, many, how much space they can have? Like, how many cars they can store the car in the inventory. Like, What if this year, Barbie, they want a paint car? So AI makes sense digitally, right? Maybe you can real-time render a, you know, making it up a BMW, that makes sense, right? Like different configuration, and people can actually see the actual Mm -hmm. item in certain, you know, generative AI format that they can make that consideration or decision. So we still a lot to learn. I mean, we're just touching, you know, really tip of the iceberg. There's so many areas we can talk about. One
0: one question, like you touched upon open AI a little bit. You touched upon uh, social commerce and the economy there and the ethical component of this as well. So that's one of the things like, you know, usage of AI, how it is helping us, uh, it's kind of quite evident, right? That's what all companies are running towards. The question is like, becomes like, you know, the one is the tone of it, what kind of a tone and also the negative bias that it can pick up from like specifically open AI. I say this because think of uh, the example of Facebook. Uh, Facebook, uh, if you Myanmar, the country Myanmar, uh, faced engaged with one of the phone companies there and said, like anybody who buys a phone gets Facebook pre-installed, right? And uh, they don't have to pay for it or they don't have to sign up. That was and that was a big rouge for the phone company to push. They got on, and that propagated a huge amount of hate speech towards, like you know, the Rohingyas, and um, and there is this um, debate that is going going on should we hold Facebook accountable for that kind of conversation like you know because Facebook enabled that propagation right Right. otherwise it wouldn't have happened so when we talk about ethics we dance a very delicate line when it comes to AI Um, even though it's going to give us the speed or the velocity that we are looking for in your point of view um, is AI regulation required and once the regulation comes into of course we need social media regulation too which we lack as well (laughs) so once these regulation come into play um, is the fluidity or the usability uh, of AI is that going to get restricted what's your point of view on that
2: Great question. Great question. I mean, we I remember, um, uh, I mean, you, you guys know me now, I, I've been working over 30 years, so I've seen a lot of different things. So even remember during Clinton administration, when Internet came along, e-commerce, right, that, that was uh, very interesting how a lot of different government or country observing and learning about Internet, the Web 2.0. And then vice versa, I mean, a couple couple years ago talk about cryptocurrency and right now generative AI. I always have a philosophy. Again, one person opinion. For us to innovate, I don't believe in the in the infancy stage right now needs to be regulated and governed. I think, you know, I, I, I love what well, Malcolm Gladwell talked about tipping points, right? When you reach certain critical mass, somehow we human beings are very good at self-governing. Certain time and creating the mutually beneficial rules to to help us to uh, get to the next evolution of uh, computing. And I, so my humble opinion, I don't think sh- government should intervene. I think uh, let the consumer be the, the digital enable com- community. The consumer be the be the judge of good, bad, and indifferent. Like is it adding value? Right? Is that is that like that? So that's that's first thing. And. Certain aspect, actually, I think AI can help. And like you highlighted like Meta, Google also another big, big player in, you know, uh, last year I got, I was so fortunate. I was speaking at Advertising Week with Google. The topic you got was love. They said, is marketing ecosystem biased? One year ago, I said, yes. You know why? If you, because we taught, human taught the taxonomy. We created a taxonomy how to classify content. And also we taught the search engine how to index. Let me give you an example, still true. I think you guys should help. If you go to Google Images today to do a search, right? You can search by images. Let's let make fun of me, for example. You type in Chinese food, the first page, all results, 80 to 90% is egg rolls and fibers. <laughs> because we taught the engine, look for those similarities. I think this is one part AI could help, right? Hey, can we expand our indexing engine? Can we expand, you know, our taxonomy, right? So we have well better representation. Uh, it's also true for German food, type it in. First page, all sausages. <laughs> <laughs> oh really yes no shit no schnitzels. a <laughs> little, bit, little bit a little bit that being a human being because i don't believe machine will ever take over our intellectual our, our empathy and also our, the ethical side of being human being imperfect right they actually can help accelerate certain tasks especially large scale repeatable tasks and it's also true for marketing like With the Web3, at least my humble opinion, there's so many things angle about Web3. If I have to advise my client today, it's about decentralization and ownership of the new customer data that you are getting. Because your partner will not share with you, right? Walmart, Amazon, they all keep their own data, and TikTok, Instagram, they keep their data. With cookies going away, I always advise a lot of brands, you should have a direct-to-consumer mindset. You need to create a direct-to-consumer relationship. Because why? You capture more data for yourself. And second, AI need more data. you mm-hmm. doing any truly uh, uh, one-to-one personalization. And so if you will. But also those data is so valuable. I think we'll replace, maybe, maybe a strong word, replace focus group. You market, you broadcast, people buy their stuff. You know how they c- c- get a feedback, they c- focus group. Yeah. So think about... Technology in the cell, right? we already were so um, aligned. Quite you know, all ages love digital-enabled community, but having AI, I think, will help Like a lot of those kind of more product innovation, service innovation, or finding new product can really serve the unmet customer needs. That would be holy grail of, um, you know, marketing 101 uh, from the working, uh, Western side. So I know, long answer to your question. I think let the consumer... Determine what's valuable for them.
1: That's so fun. That was that was a very very interesting answer. There's so many parts of it that I want to dissect and and double click into because uh, there was a lot of good stuff in there, Stephen. So let me start by saying, you know, um, I'm sure like you know everybody's on a spectrum of sort of AI adoption right now, including myself. You know, and and a lot of people in the industry. Some are ahead, some are behind, some are on the way there, etc. A, where do you place yourself in your agency? And depending on that answer, I have a follow-up question to say, okay. how are you training yourself and your teams along the way? You know, like what are, what are some steps you're taking to, to keep up or keep ahead?
2: Yeah, we do, so great question. We do have a budget, an uh, internal budget for R&D. Mm. Uh, but we, we, we have more hacker culture so when we say R&;D more so I have a few developers we bought a machine like really like loaded like o- open API on it like a high higher CPU like horsepower so you can really render mm. so we, we through our lab we have we, we have a concept of our labs so we like mm. to do everything very experimental so the first thing will be the tech team will love to install all the open AI all different type of AI play with it so that's one thing we do. Uh, as I mentioned immediately, we have a lot of very passionate, creative person. When generative AI came along, that's how we apply, uh, the generative AI during a pitch process like, to, mm. to accelerate. So we are very, uh, maybe because of culture, we set up as an agency. We are very right. curious danger. I uh, recall dangerously curious. So we have that automatic, uh, you know, adapting, like try to learn new thing. Culture. That's one thing, uh. Second, we, we we start looking into our strategy team whenever they have uh, downtime. We, we do a lot of desk research and also talking to, uh, mm-hmm. uh, like, we we, we house our own, we have partnership with some digital-enabled community. Sometimes we can put a topic into a community, they they, they they will comment on it. A lot of time we learn so much about, like, if you only want to talk to Gen C, we can have a Gen C group or Gen Alpha or... So we constantly using those topics. And the other thing we do a lot of social listening as well, like monitoring what was going on out there and identifying what are the key trends. So that that's a self-learning or uh, continuous learning culture that we have. That's one thing that's very good. A second, I, I do believe is you have to play with them. When I say play meaning experiment, when when we do client work, like a brief comes in, we will say, okay, this is what the client is looking for. But can we sprinkle a little bit new element? Mm. AI is very interesting, right? AI including, you know, machine learning and natural language processing. So that's a lot of, like, for example, we're working with a client. They've been collecting a lot of data. But we see a lot of brands have a similar problem. They have a lot of data. But only probably 40% of them are usable. And then the 80% may not be as good. And then you have third-party data from your partner, finally you got them, and then you have your own. So one application we see using AI, we advising a client or we set up in our lab as well, is how you do data enrichment, data stitching. We also see a lot of content transformation quite easily too. As I mentioned earlier, you want a, your phone black, you can easily crank it up. So I would not say we don't have like, We have some best practices, but again, it's fit my agency model. I I think that's one thing is our advantage. Uh, I think a lot of companies could start small, right? Having us maybe get a couple passionate team members, give them a a small budget and topic, tell them to report on a weekly basis about what's going on out there, what's, what's the do, what are the... Do's and don'ts, right? Like what people hate about, you know, certain aspects. I think that will help, uh, you know, elevate and also educating. Now, last but not least, even though that's the top 10 brands in the world has changed since Second World War, half of them are tech companies. Google, Apple, right? Amazon, in some cases, Netflix. These, yeah. Those companies, one thing I've been studying them, at least my opinion, they really know how to do direct-to-consume. They mm-hmm. talk to you, right? Apple know who you are. Amazon Prime, know who you are. Five, six, seven years ago, they already have predicted shipping using AI. We got all the historical data, empirical data, behavioral data, like they can predict, oh, Stephen gonna use up all his toilet paper. Let me ship it to him. Second, they know you, so they have your data. So those two elements, I think you eventually apply for any brand, any company, profit or non-profit you should have that relationship with your target audience. I don't know how many brands you guys must know, right? The social team doesn't talk to the digital team and (laughs) the retail team doesn't talk to the dot com, right? It's yeah. unusual, unfortunately, because when you grow you your business and you become more functional, organized and become more focused on, on your, your core competency your marketing, only do marketing and IT only do IT. But, you know, that's how uh, the evolution of our marketing science.
1: Yeah, no, I think that makes a lot of sense, Stephen. I'm going to go back to sort of like uh, summarizing some key points because that's just uh, so informative for me as well. So in terms of just like enabling your teams, the first and foremost is the culture of experimentation that you've beautifully built in your agency, and something that I think all of us can learn from. And secondly, is just getting those tools right. Like let's just yeah. download those tools, give them the tools to play with, and and see where it goes. And really, then I think goes back to the culture of experimentation. There are two other things that you brought up, sort of in the how you're using the AI tools. One is in the space of content transformation that you've been speaking right. of quite a bit. Um, bit. And, and then the second piece is on data stitching. So content transformation is very interesting to me. And I'm I, and, and so is data stitching, by the way. But that's like a whole one p conversation on direct-to-consumer, which is one that I think we should explore uh, unravel together a little bit too.
2: Different episode. <laughs> yeah, it's
1: a different episode, but it's a very important one because I actually do have a point of view, and I would love to pick your brain on that.
2: I, I don't know. You guys familiar with uh, last year? That's a campaign, and right at the dawn of generative AI, Heinz uh, created a very successful spiral campaign. Check it out. Check it out. They said, "Hey, what is this what is the shape of a ketchup bottle?" Very interestingly, you know, a lot of times, so even our AI engine, oh, when you think about some iconic. Brand, they have that strong, because based on data set, again, back to the data. So yeah, so I will encourage, just every time there's a new tool coming in, you should experiment. That's why we have something called Innovation Labs uh, in at a Barbarian. During advertising, we all, all of a sudden, there's an interview I don't know anybody noticed. They said that's the fifth largest social media platform, again, coming out from China. There's always new technology, you, you know, emerging into our, our world, and I always encourage uh, everybody to think like a technologist, but more more so think think like you are making a cocktail. Right, mixing what you have, mixing sprinkle some new one, and then experiment and see. I always told my team three things important. Right, first, are you adding value? Whatever you're creating, are you adding value to your target audience? Who you are targeting, and this is it differentiated for the brand you're working on. It's the yeah. adventure for Barbian or Heinz or Samsung. Equally important, number three, this idea or this new thing you're experimenting, you have to unlock business momentum. Could be come from growth, meaning, mm. oh wow, all of a sudden you create new revenue stream or all of a sudden your your product and service sold out. Without those business momentum, you very hard for the board or the executive or management team to prioritize. So that's why you see a lot of innovation die and then yeah. it doesn't go anywhere. Right. Yeah. So I think, uh, you know, th- this is a very interesting time. Uh, I would encourage really a lot of, like, I call experimental innovation. You, you should, the younger generation, you talk to all my interns, they all 21, 22. They have a very strong point of view about every brand. Yeah, they do. They do. They do. So, so, mm-hmm. so if you're not, if as a brand owner or the executive, you're not reaching out to them, you, you're not in, in the conversation. They're talking about you, your brand, like it or not. So again, we're having that direct conversation is important. And you learn so much from that.
0: Mm-hmm. So on on that point of like, you know, uh, this innovation, experimental innovation, how do you think like, you know, the big brands, the as you said, like, you know, the hundred year old companies are doing and... Also, when you are talking to your clients, are they coming back and saying, look, I, w- I want to see how I can incorporate OpenAI or what's like, you know, are they thinking differently from a digital point of view about their consumers great or qu- it's the same, same of the old?
2: Yeah, so great question. You know, I, I was just talking to a campaign reporter, asked me a similar question like, so what what... what so let's, let's tackle, there are no specific, at least most of the brands in the world, they will have like a budget called innovation. I think they will have a budget for business R&D, product R&D. And that's why the, a lot of time, the burden will be on a CMO. Because like when you, you, you have to communicate with the consumer, you constantly have to compete with your product. Placement completely changing, right? Instead of a shelf, now you are a TikTok job. So a lot of time become I shouldn't be burden become part of the responsibility for a CMO. The reason is. CIO and CTO are very important they, they, but they have a different aspect So McKinsey uh, I looked into it uh, you know we all heard about technology debts It's about every time they're implementing some enterprise or some significant technology Im- investment into your business to support whatever initiative in this case could be marketing ecosystem or e-commerce because every business unique is true So when you customize your technology you created a taxation meaning you have to keep it up maintain. I'm super. So plan- you you know, you know what I'm talking about, right? Your, yeah. future, your current more in piece of so, so McKinsey estimated, I was shocked too, forty percent on the IT balance sheet is keeping up with your technology yep. there. So all of a sudden CIO CTO, I need to get this up stabilized. So every time a CMO come to me, hey, should I do live streaming? Remember three years ago, everyone talked about live streaming, right? Bam, user, all the time. And last year, oh, should we do metaverse? And then should I issue NFT? And now generative AI in the marketing automation world. So that's a constant, I shouldn't say conflict tension between the two functions. So a lot of time will provide the uh, responsibility for a CMO. So I will see a lot of CMO will look into it. Now, the more progressive CMO, I would call, uh, sometimes we require some courage. That's why when I interview uh, uh, a Claire, Claire's uh, CMO, wow, how do you persuade your board to let like you get Claire into Matterverse, right? Not all the board will support you. So as the CMO, all of a sudden you become an advisor, an educator, you become an evangelist, right? You become the innovation person, right? You're also responsible for brand, media, right? Also customer experiences in some cases and product development. So, to answer your question, I see a lot of CMO. not all of them, but like, you know, some of the more progressive and willing to do that. Now, for for the more, you know, I would say more traditional model, use CPG as a, as a category. Their model is they manufacture, push it with the retail channel partner, inventory deploy, and then you do brand marketing and then go there. I see tremendous opportunity this year. I, talk, I fortunately talked to a couple of CMO friends of mine in those categories, different from, you know, Painkiller to Snack. They want to reach the audience, talk to the audience directly, and younger generation, majority now Instagram, TikTok. So when they turn around, they want to, I have my own .com, but, you know, I have a long technology that I, I TQ, where right? I cannot try things. So that's why this year, I see a lot of marketing tech leaders in, in the platform business. I'm talking about like, capital and innovation capital into the technology they use like for example what if i'm, I'm talking to uh, one of the technology part like another e-commerce platform what if your your direct to consumer can only run on the most robust right you know ibm salesforce but i have one product but we really want to try if i can do more direct to consumer capturing more data and also integrate to TikTok. There are technology available. You can, you got the experience layer, you can look the same, feel the same, and the consumer don't know behind the scenes different stack, right? So I, I recently started a concept with some CPG client of mine called Commerce Lab. What if you give that new product catalog, put it into a different engine, right? You negotiate well and then you market through really direct to consumer using more direct to consumer style or marketing, and then using integration technology to power your TikTok shop experience or Instagram. Just learn it, right? Learn, learn one product, one part or one campaign or one season. And then you see what data you capture. You don't have to move the whole catalog yet. It may or may not work for you, right? You know, uh, also require content velocity. So I, I long answer to your question is you have to try, but start small. If you can connect two channels already, it's a win. Connect your social to your .com. already say, good.
1: Yeah, that makes so much sense. Even TikTok shop is such a great way to
2: right. get started
1: in the D2C side, right? Without boiling the ocean, as I say. And so funny you bring that up because there have been a lot of episodes that actually a lot of people come in and are sharing the same exact advice, to start small. Like, uh, you know, when, when it's such a huge thing, And it it will require a lot of dollars and human resources. You try to boil the ocean, you try to do everything, you land nothing. Whereas to start with small experiments, um, think big and start small is is a very common uh, thread that we're trying to weave across our different um, episodes. I have one more question going back to the content transformation piece of it. Um, is around plagiarism. Are you finding there to be a risk on that or are you finding it to be kosher or are you putting any checks and balances in place that ensure that the work that we're putting out there, especially as a creative that is not plagiarizing?
2: Great, work. great, great question. We recently, uh, we, we did it internally. We, we set mm-hmm. up a small committee and then sometimes they would pull me in to make the ultimate decision. Like, like for example, like working on this site, like, some people worry about, to your point, right? Is it unethical or mm-hmm. you plagiarize someone? Or uh, we got the copyright important, right? We're using yeah. different imagery. So new, the world, like, uh, I always believe, at least uh, that's, that's why set, setting up, having smart human being involved, passionate about a topic, and then do the check and balance is important. Uh, because there's no right or wrong answer today, um, mm. right now. Of course, don't copy, like, plagiarize anybody, right? Like yeah. For example, I support support a non-profit art, art performance group. So I attend a lot of social. Usually, you should have all the art design release form before you can post a photo. Mm-hmm. usually but mm-hmm. right now with the social media explosion a lot of artists hey post my photo but if you do bigger distribution I need to have my permission but posting on TikTok Instagram they welcome it just tag me mm-hmm. give me credit mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. I think that's a lot of that kind of check and balance or self-governing model mm-hmm. you will see uh, just I want to go back to because I'm, I'm, a, I'm an immigrant from uh, Hong Kong right? so uh, American uh, you know used to be I still believe the most innovative company yeah, uh, country in the world is allow that small and medium enterprise to innovate mm-hmm. that's what we need to do and allow allow room for the smart people working with and let the consumer design what's mm-hmm. different. Yeah.
0: I, I still believe America is one of the most innovative countries we just have to find our spirit back mm-hmm. <laughs> we, we yeah we are just uh, too much into uh uh non-value-added stuff we need to own our capitalism back again absolutely so,
2: I look at the top 10 companies half of them or most of them american born we should be yeah we should be proud we should be proud we need to get back to that spirit for we innovation. need to get
0: back let me ask you this like we talked about a lot like what are the buzzwords that get under your skin that people talk about every time your clients come to you that they have seen somewhere and you're like okay this again like what are some of those that really uh, you hear them and you're oh, yeah, you're
2: yeah. like eh. I, I Think the they mean something or mean nothing almost like honestly you know if you asked me a few months ago web3 we got the that's a last year there's a song association with the application of the web 3 you as I mentioned web 3 is powered by blockchain technology so you can do distributed computing and also distributed uh, decentralized ownership of data and, and so forth so many different things to do metaverse is just one application so a lot of time people would come to me and say "What do do metaverse they do it interchangeably which is not co- correct conceptually not correct metaverse has its own use case my, my my opinion right but not like some of the brand last year all of a sudden wow let's drop everything let's go understand the the new dimension of a customer journey which is metaverse i call it omniverse like you have the digital Online, the regular world where we're using now, with have a physical world, you're never going to go away. The retail, like that that personal experience. And the manifest, it's basically three-dimension now, our uh, customer journey going in and out of it, right? And so one day, maybe, a starting point could be, for some reason, Fortnite, maybe. Or some reason, I like typically buying jeans, I would go online, find them, research, and then go try it on, and I would never buy jeans without trying one, and then go back online and buy the cheapest one, right? <laughs> so so that type, but the Omniverse the is... The concept is not one or the other it's an extra dimension. So number one. Second, I see a lot of, you know, we talk about NFT, like some success cases and some not, and, you know, Metaverse as well. All of a sudden you see all the investment pivoted. I think Metaverse is a great dimension for the disability. Let me explain. Uh, My team did a study for me about 1.6 billion people in the world considered uh, with disability, including autism. So people have physical function. We are lucky, right? We can go touch things, smell things. Some people may not have that luxury. Or So I can imagine they feel, feel very comfortable. Maybe the first touch one should be matter right? They feel more comfortable and they make friends that way. I was told I have no children. I was told by, you know, uh, my team, they have younger children, like 10 or 12. They all make friends there. And they don't do Facebook. They don't do Instagram, I even TikTok. There. So I see a use case there for... That world, right? So that's one thing. So make, make me conscious, metaphors and Web3 interchangeable. Uh, and also, that's a big loaded term right now, performance marketing. It means so much stuff. A lot of people just use it in, in a way. Performance marketing is the holy grail. I said, you know, basic marketing automation, you have to do everything to drive that performance. It's more than just SEO, SEM. Right? A lot of people come to me, uh, historically, that's a big component because the first touch point used to be SEO, SEM. Now, A lot of younger generation first touch on TikTok for product discovery. So when people say, Hey, Stephen, what do you think about the performance marketing uh, trend? I said, well, depends on what aspect you're talking about. You know, that that make me. A lot of people think innovation is only about about technology. It's not. Technology is one of the enabler, create possibility and value. I can share with you a case study that you don't need technology and also could be so innovative. Like really, it's the idea. Go back. uh, I, I would say I would have a long debate with people a lot of time about innovation through technology yes but you know you have to understand your target audience customer insight you have to have some creative thinking think differently and how you apply the technology in the in a sense and uh, how you reach the audience and create an emotional connection that's important than just mm-hmm. tech and innovation I know they go hand in hand but it's not the only thing
0: yeah. I, I completely agree with you because when companies, when we talk to companies about transformation, the first thing that they go is like, how do I change the technology stack? But that's not what you should be thinking. No. Transformation is how do you reach your consumer differently? How are you creating more exactly. value for your brand? That exactly. is transformation. Right. Technology is just, as you said, an enabler. So, yeah, I, the last point,
1: I agree with you 100%. Yeah, totally. I, I mean, make the technology
2: work harder for you. Right now, I mean, you know, uh, a lot of times with the technology that, and a lot of people use commercial software, but it's only 10% of power. Remember Microsoft Word at one point said they only use 10% of all the functionality you use.
1: Yes. All right. So um, I think that brings us to a wrap. Um, Steven, thank you so much uh, for your time today. We learned so much from you um, and we cannot wait for our audiences to listen to this episode.
2: Thank you. Thank you for having me. I have a lot of fun. Well, we should do another episode for direct-to-consumer. We definitely (laughs) should. should.
0: (laughs) We definitely should. And thank you so much. Thank you for joining us. Stay tuned for more episodes.